Hello and welcome to India Speak, the podcast by the Center for Policy Research. I am Sushant Singh, Senior Fellow at CPR. It is a fast developing situation in Europe with the Russian forces just outside the Ukrainian capital. India has been walking a tightrope with its vote in the UN Security Council, particularly attracting a lot of attention globally. The usual debate between values and principles on one side and interests on the other is playing out. The Indian government is also grappling with the challenge of evacuating its citizens. Some 40% of them still remain inside Ukraine. To discuss these issues and more, I am joined by Ambassador Sham Saran, former Indian Foreign Secretary and Senior Fellow at CPR. Ambassador Saran, welcome to India Speak. Uh, let me begin with something very basic, uh, Ambassador Saran. What are India's interests that are at stake in Ukraine? Uh, a safe ev- evacuation of students, relations with Russia, relations with the United States. What what are what exactly are these interests? I think all over the above, <laughs> in a sense, uh, because uh, you know not only as you mentioned uh, is our relationship with Russia, uh, which is uh, going to be impacted by. However, this uh, train of events, uh, you know, concludes, uh, but uh, it has become an east-west confrontation. And uh, in that east-west confrontation, we are caught right in the middle, in a sense. Uh, so there are those factors, but uh, much more immediate is, of course, uh, the safety and security of our students. And as you said, about 40%, I would imagine about four to 5,000 yes, uh, may 5, still be uh, within the war zone. And uh, their safety and, uh, you know, bringing them back uh, safely home, uh, this can obviously cannot but be the most important consideration in front of uh, our uh, government. And this means that uh, not only do we have to keep very closely engaged with Russia, whose forces are inside, uh, keep uh, engaged with Ukrainian authorities uh, because they are still in control of uh, several of the areas, particularly some of the uh, some of the um, you know border posts and uh, of course the countries where uh, they will be taking uh, shelter or are taking uh, shelter so uh, for us, the the most urgent you know issue for our diplomacy is really to keep all these communication channels open uh, so that uh, we are able to bring our people back home. So there's been a lot of discussion that we are looking now at a post-Ukraine world. Is it true that we are looking at a post-Ukraine world? And what really are the structural changes that have taken place because of this military, Russian military operation uh, in Ukraine? Uh, and or are these structural changes which are still going to play out and they're likely to take place over a long arc? And are we only looking at the beginning of what those changes are? A transformation is taking place um, in Europe, in the world. And yes, uh, we may be at the initial stages of that transformation. But uh, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, this transformation is here to stay. Uh, That this is not a temporary shift in geopolitics, but this uh, represents a very major departure uh, as far as, uh, you know, the post-Cold War order is concerned, uh, both in Europe as well as in the rest of the world. And in fact, in a real sense, uh, the post uh, second order, you know, uh, which which has been based uh, around the UN Charter. Um, What we are seeing uh, at play currently is that all the assumptions behind 
that kind of you know international balance uh, that relatively speaking kept the peace uh, i think uh, those have been almost completely undermined so uh, i give you as an example you know what was perhaps never anticipated even a week ago uh, that uh, a country like germany which has essentially since the second world war been a very pacifist uh, state it has always played a very low key role uh, in europe and internationally uh, it had very strong uh, kind of taboo against supply of lethal arms uh, to conflict zones uh, all those have fallen by the wayside so if you have a germany which is now committing itself to 2% of its gdp uh, to defense and you know germany is one of the richest <laughs> countries in the world uh, and that it has talked about you know supplying arms in particular anti tank weapons you know stinger missiles which would really be directly used to degrade uh, the russian forces now invading ukraine uh, this is to me a very very significant and i would even say a dramatic change or the fact that you had uh post cold war and even before you had an european union which was an economic arrangement you had a nato which was a military arrangement a military alliance now you have the european union saying that it will take on a military role that it is also going to supply you know weapons uh, to uh, ukraine so um, you know the lines have got <laughs> almost completely blurred uh so let us let us just uh, take for uh, example the possibility that uh, european union will agree to the latest demand which has been made by the ukrainian president that you know why will you not admit us into the european union uh, you have said we are already a part of europe uh, admit us into the european union now if you take into account the fact that one russian demand has been that ukraine should not ever enter nato what does that mean anymore because even if ukraine does not enter the european union uh, sorry uh, enter nato entry into the european uh, union still will have a military dimension so that's why i'm saying that many of the sort of shall i say anchors of the post second world war and later post uh, cold war anchors of the order that we was in place a predictable order uh, that has been almost completely undermined so the uh, the order that the change in this predictable order which is taking place primarily in europe the upheaval in europe uh, how does that connect with the challenges that india faces in the indo pacific and in the asian continent there is there a direct linkage is there an indirect linkage how will we how will this play out in the in, uh, for india in, in asia and the indo pacific well india is a major power therefore india's interests are not merely uh, with uh, respect to uh, you know what happens in uh, in uh, asia pacific uh, india also uh, will be uh, impacted by whatever happens in europe for the simple reason that we have very very strong stakes you know economic stakes but also political uh, stakes uh, you can go a little further that you know if the united states of america is going to play a major role in this 
post-Ukraine uh, order, as I think it will, uh, it will mean that our relations with the United States of America will also be impacted. So it is not merely a question of what will be the collateral impact in Indo-Pacific, but even in terms of the direct impact on India, as a result of those dramatic changes that I uh, spoke spoke about. Uh, so um, I think what we have to take into account is, if we are talking about the Indo-Pacific, the most important issue for us is what does it mean for India-China relations? And whether Russia wins the war in Ukraine or loses the war in Ukraine, to me, the net gainer from this is China, because if the United States of America, which is its peer rival, and Western Europe are going to be, for the foreseeable future, greatly focused on managing the situation in Europe, will they have the same kind of preoccupation with the Indo-Pacific, which is somewhat far away? Uh, my sense is that in any, even in without a war situation, <laughs> you know, trying to handle confrontation on two fronts is always a very difficult, uh, you know, challenge. Uh, and I think you are going to see that challenge, uh, you know, already uh, coming up because uh, China is as you can see, blaming the West, blaming the United States for the crisis which has occurred. So you can see uh, that it is looking at what is happening in the prism of its confrontation with the United States of America. So for, for uh, China, the, the expectation would be that there would be much less pressure on China on its eastern flank. And this could also change calculations with regard to what China may decide to do with regard to, say, Taiwan. And also with respect to India, because China remains the biggest strategic challenge that India, that India faces. It continues to sit on our, sit on our borders. It, uh, the, the, the threat on Ladakh or in Arunachal Pradesh or in Himachal Uttarakhand continues to remain. And the way we try to deal with it, whether through internal military reba rebalancing by diverting forces from the Pakistan border, or through external rebalancing via the corn, uh, both these things now seem to be up in the uh, up in the air. Well, uh, what I would say is that uh, you know uh, there is no doubt, as I said, that there will be a heightening of the challenge that we face uh, from China. Uh, but uh, ultimately, what will determine our ability to deal with this? Uh, yes external balancing, domestic balancing, but I think much more at this time, you will have to focus on domestic balancing. I think you will have to take some very key decisions in terms of ramping up your economic capabilities, ramping up your military capabilities. Only that will give you relative autonomy in the kind of decisions that you uh, need to take. So I do not say that, you know, what has happened in Ukraine is making, for example, the Quad irrelevant. Uh, no, I think the Quad will continue to play a very important role. Even if the United States of America is preoccupied in Europe, Japan is not, <laughs> you know, Australia is not. Several of the other friendly countries we have in the region are not. Therefore, there is even an opportunity for India 
to try and bring about greater crystallization, greater coherence in terms of security partnerships in the region itself, starting with Japan, starting with uh, you know Australia. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are options available. We should not get into a mindset that you know we have been left uh, sort of exposed. Uh, I think it is a question of how do we number one assess the new situation and what are the ways in which we can deal with minimize the greater sort of salience of threats that we will face, but also look for some of the opportunities that we may have. Uh, to expand our strategic space. Because I keep saying this again and again, that it is only in a period of change that opportunities arise also uh, to try and expand your strategic space. So I think we should also look at what can be the openings, what can be the opportunities to be able to also expand our opportunities. So the question of economic growth, which you spoke about with these economic sanctions against Russia, with the energy prices going up and with all the turmoil in Europe, the challenge for economic growth becomes even, even, most even certainly, greater. Most certainly. Uh, I, the, uh, what I think we have to uh, recognize is that <clears throat> whichever way you look at it, this is going to cause losses, going to cause damage all around. So it's not as if any particular international actor is going to be somehow you know, insulated uh, from these negative uh, and adverse impacts. So really the question is who is going to lose the least rather than who is going to actually gain. Nobody is going to gain. No, not even China is going to gain. But in terms of what is the relative damage that will be uh, done. And in that uh, sense, yes, India will certainly be impacted by the economic disruptions that this will cause, not only in terms of our direct relations, say trade relations with Russia or Ukraine. These at the end of the day, are not the most important. Uh, uh, what is more important uh, is, of course, the military uh, and the defense uh, relationship and how that will be impacted. How much that will be disrupted is something that we have to look out for. Because I think if you look at, say, the four frigates that we have ordered from, from uh, Russia, uh, the engines <laughs> apparently come from Ukraine. Uh, so there are those kind of difficulties that we are going to run up against uh, in the in the uh, coming days. Uh, but I don't think that economic damage will be, uh, direct economic damage will be so much because our exposure is somewhat uh, limited. But there will be more damage because of the overall global disruptions which may take place, including the rise in oil prices that you mentioned, because we are already also in an inflationary kind of of a situation building up. And this will obviously add to that uh, inflation. Uh, so we'll have to do some very, very careful, uh, you know, economic uh, sort of policy making in order to try and minimize the damage to our uh, e e economy. Uh, the good news is that we continue to have very good relations with major, you know, economic uh, powers like the United States uh, like with Europe, uh, Japan in our own region and also Southeast Asia. Uh, so <clears throat> how we use these partnerships, economic partnerships, to really raise the level of uh, you know, our own economic development, uh, that is something that we will have to look at very, very uh, seriously now. 
But say you spoke about internal strength in terms of the economic development and the military growth and the military power. But what about the social cohesion that within India seems to be completely disrupted and it's being torn apart every single day? If we have to face these major external threats on our own, should uh, you know repair of the social divisiveness? Should that social cohesion not be the highest priority or or the biggest priority in our case? So I mean that's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean. even if you are a very uh, strong uh, country if uh, that internal coherence is not there uh, then you are uh, not going to be able to face the external challenges with the same degree of you know confidence uh, that uh, would uh, be perhaps uh, possible uh, so um, uh, in 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 that sense uh, i think uh, it should perhaps be uh apparent to the decision makers uh, in our country uh, that that is a road that we should not be traveling on you know that uh, the uh, really the slogans that the prime minister has put forward which is sabka saath sabka vikas sabka vishwas i think these should really be translated into actual you know uh, policies of Uh, the government because it is only when you are able to take all your people along that <coughs> there will be uh any uh, uh, you know the, the 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 full strength of the country behind the government makes a very big difference in terms of how you relate to the to the uh, rest of the world you can't make a you know dividing line between what you do at home and how you project yourself uh, externally so that is the point that you have made is to my mind uh, really a fundamental issue so also as a kind of a sidey slightly sidey issue sir uh, what would how would you look at uh, pakistani prime minister imran khan's visit to russia during this period and should we be worried about kind of a russia china pakistan coming together and what we are going to face on our land borders in that sense well i do not see uh, what pakistan can bring to the table uh, as far as you know russia is concerned i think russian concerns have been essentially because of uh, because of uh, you know the uh, afghan uh, situation and a sense that uh, pakistan can play an important and positive role in uh, perhaps uh, managing the afghan uh, crisis uh so far we don't see in fact <laughs> that very much uh, you know helping uh but uh, i don't think i am so much worried about the uh, link with uh, uh, russia as i am worried with what this means in terms of a china uh, pakistan relationship so uh, if we if we uh, look at what should be of major concern to us the major concern to us is a china pakistan you know alliance and relationship uh, the russian relationship to my mind will be a side play going uh, uh, forward uh, i do not foresee a situation where uh, russia as a matter of choice will become part of a anti india axis uh, i do not think that that is going to happen but you know uh, if this is not a question of either or in diplomacy you know you work at the uh, margins uh, a little more or a little less so what you may be looking at is perhaps 
the evolution which we have seen if you just take into account the change in the russian position with regard to say afghanistan in the last 10 years from being fairly closely aligned with india it has become much more aligned with china uh, could this extend further if uh, russia is going to be more dependent as a result of the ukraine you know conflict on china it could happen but overall if you see there has been actually a diminution uh the the uh, reduced salience of india russia relations uh, since the end of the cold war uh, that is unmistakable you know uh, the military relationship uh, remains very very important but that is because it is of mutual Uh, interest in a sense i think india constitutes about 36% if i am not mistaken of all uh, russian uh, you know defense uh, exports uh, so there is also a good reason for uh, russia uh, to keep this uh, relationship in uh, good repair uh, going forward is that likely to become even less important as it has been in the past uh, that is quite uh, possible but i would say that not knowing what is really going to happen what is the way in which this conflict going to end uh, i would say that the relationship with uh, russia will remain important to india uh, there has been an assumption in india that whatever may be the compulsions which bring russia and china together long term interests of the two countries are not necessarily aligned that you know whether it is uh, central asia or whether it is eastern europe two areas which russia itself calls its near neighborhood and perhaps even to some extent as we see with ukraine almost like a core interest as it were who is expanding you know has influenced the most in these regions it is not the west it is uh, china so uh, our assumption has been that while russian concern over this is currently muted because of the pressure russia faces from the west long term perhaps their interests may not be so aligned therefore it makes sense for india to keep its relationship with russia in good repair uh, those assumptions i hope will continue to <laughs> to be valid uh, going forward but as you know i mean the situation is changing so rapidly virtually by the hour uh, we are finding it very difficult to really gauge uh, what is it that we will end up with uh, once this um, you know particular particular conflict in some sense plays itself out one way or the other and so with the united states the other player in this with which there seems to be some kind of disagreement if one can say or, or not being on the same not reading from the same sheet uh, so to speak the united states would understand the kind of compulsions india is facing and we would be able to uh, we would be able to make up if there is any gaps in our, our, our thinking as we go forward once the once the situation in europe stabilizes a bit i think you may not necessarily find uh, a great deal of understanding uh, as far as the us civil society is concerned mm -hmm. as far as uh, us mainstream media is concerned which would want india to stand up and be counted uh, but uh, i think uh, as far as us decision makers are concerned um, they would uh, i'm sure understand uh, what are the kind of constraints under which uh india has to operate this is not the first time 
that such a situation has uh, arisen. And uh, while there may be, have been some hiccups in terms of our relationship with the West, uh, ultimately, those relationships have uh, proved to be very resilient and have actually um, continued to expand. So I have no reason to believe that uh, uh, even though there may be some dissatisfaction with the votes that India has uh, taken at the United Nations, uh, that this would have a serious uh, uh, you know, impact on our relationship. Do not forget that as far as uh, the United States is concerned, uh, it is not as if tomorrow the confrontation with China will end. And if that confrontation still is something which United States of America considers a major challenge uh, to its uh, interests. And even in a converse sense, if it has less attention that it can pay uh, to that challenge, perhaps the importance of uh, India uh, in that uh, context uh, will probably increase rather than decrease. But so then you have also argued in your pieces that uh, that it could, it is highly possible that the United States could start engaging with China and find a modest vivendi to focus more on more on Europe, and that uh, could put India in a weaker situation. So these are um, uh, scenarios that we should uh, be looking at. May not necessarily happen, but we should be looking at. I can see, for example, a situation where, as a result of the Ukraine crisis, uh, Russia becomes an even lesser power than it is today. That its capacity to threaten Europe or the United States of America is even more diminished than it has been in the past. In this case, there is really no reason, especially with the heightened kind of military preparedness which you now see in Europe, uh, that they need to worry so much uh, about uh, a, a uh, Russian threat going forward. In which case, then they should be able to focus attention much more on the main challenge, main adversary, which is China. That is one scenario. The second scenario is that the Russian threat, as a result of whatever may be the outcome of this Ukraine war, that particular threat lingers on and perhaps even gets heightened. In which case, whether we like it or not, <laughs> the attention of the United States of America and the attention of Western Europe will, in fact, be focused much more uh, on, on uh, you know, Russia. If that is the case, and if they find that there is, there is need to uh, perhaps you know, look at uh, the, the, the uh, European balance uh, by trying to somehow... Uh, you know, reduce the the threat that they are facing from Russia. Uh, what is the best way to do it? If you are, you know, engaged on two fronts, you try to minimize, you know, the danger on at least one front while you are dealing with this. So I would not exclude that there may be arguments within the United States that it is important for the United States to focus attention on what is really its European space. Because after all, the United States is an extension of Europe in one sense. Uh, so this is more important. And if this is more important, Indo-Pacific is still somewhat far away. Uh, so maybe we need to come to some kind of an understanding with China. There are major concerns that China has, not very different from what Russia had with regard to its own periphery.
whether it is the Taiwan issue or whether it is deployments, U.S. forward deployments uh, very close to its uh, eastern coast. Now, if China says, well, you know, uh, if we have to reach an understanding, uh, you have to then accommodate our interests in this region, which is the most important for us. So uh, that scenario is something that uh, we should not exclude and what its implications uh, will be uh, for us. But the bottom line is, whatever external balancing that we do, whatever the adjustments that we do, ultimately what is going to count is your own domestic capabilities in terms of your economic capabilities, in terms of your uh, you know, uh, military capabilities, technological capabilities. These are what will eventually count the most in terms of you know, safeguarding your overall uh, interests. Uh, I would say that the external balancing uh, can be the supplement, but it should not be the main dish in a, in a, in a, in a sense. Uh, there is no escape from that. So my final question to you, sir, what is the best thing, best case scenario that we can hope from uh, hope for in, in this kind of a situation with whatever is going on in, in Europe and elsewhere? Well, uh, the best case scenario would be that uh, at least the lines of communication have uh, been kept open, uh, that uh, the first round of talks have taken place between Russia and Ukraine. A second round of talks are also uh, slated. Uh, it would be my hope that there is some silver lining <laughs> on these dark clouds and that can be a ceasefire. Uh, perhaps the uh, Russians may come to the conclusion that you know, this is not working the way that they had perhaps envisaged. Uh, and uh, it's better to cut your losses uh, and settle for whatever you can get rather than continue with something which will, you know, bog you down even uh, further. Um, that could be the best case uh, scenario. And uh, of course, in that context, that the uh, West Europeans and the Americans don't see this as an opportunity to pile on further but be ready to, you know, come to also uh, some kind of a mutual accommodation uh, with Russia. Uh, the, I, I think uh, Russian leverage has, has diminished, uh, to my mind. Uh, whichever way, as I said, this uh, conflict uh, concludes. Uh, you have also seen the fact that, um, you know, there are demonstrations, public demonstrations in uh, Russia itself. And as the sanctions start biting, uh, the uh, ordinary lives of people will also be impacted. And therefore, that will have an impact in terms of Putin's uh, popularity. Uh, so will that also be taken into account uh, in terms of decisions that Putin now takes? Uh, maybe. You know, uh, he is still in a very commanding position, but these things can change, you know, very, very rapidly. You have seen how Elensky, you know, within the space of about two weeks, from being a, oh, he's been a comedian and he was an actor. He's not really up to, uh, you know, dealing with this situation. Uh, and he has suddenly, you know, emerged as almost like a statesman, you know, a leader who's uh, like a hero um, standing with his people, uh, not uh, ready to abandon them. You know, to the extent that these images count, you know, on the television screens uh, all over the all over the world, um, Putin seems to have lost the public relations battle. Now you can say, "Oh, this is because the West is dominating the media." Maybe, but uh, even if it is dominance of 
media, the images that are going around the world uh, are doing Russia no good. Thank you so much, Ambassador Saran. This was really, re really fascinating. Thank you for listening. For more information on our work, follow us on Twitter at CPR underscore India and log on to our website at www.cprindia.org.